Welcome to this time of worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra Olwine and I serve as pastor here and on behalf of our staff and entire congregation, we're so glad that you have joined us for worship this day. In this season of Lent, we turn again and again to God's forgiving, merciful grace so that we might be renewed in our walk of faith, find purpose for our life, and serve God by loving our neighbors in God's name. In anticipation that the Spirit will meet us here in this time, let us turn our hearts then to praise and prayer. Palm Sunday, we are reminded again and again that faith calls forth courage from our lives. Trusting that the Spirit equips us to be disciples, please join us in the call to worship. The story of faith is a story of courage. It took courage for John the Baptist to prepare the way. It took courage for Mary to say, Here I am, use me. It took courage for the disciples to drop their nets and follow Jesus. It took courage for the paralyzed man's friends to lower him through the roof. It took courage for Peter to walk on water. It took courage for Zacchaeus to give half of his possessions to the poor. It took courage for Jesus to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Faith has never been easy. It is a journey of courage. Again and again, God, show us the way. Let, Let us worship, worship a brave and courageous God.
Those who gathered along the route that Jesus took to enter the city of Jerusalem shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. We often think of that as a shout of praise, like a cheer for our favorite sports team. But it isn't actually a word of praise. It means save us. The one coming in the name of God is the one we turn towards to find solace, forgiveness, mercy, and new life. In our prayer of confession, we acknowledge that we stand in the need of the Spirit to claim our God-given identity as children of God. We need saving as we seek to be all we are created to be. In hope, then, let us join together in the prayer of confession. palm branches and joyous shouts, we confess, we love a good Palm Sunday celebration. We love the sound of a joyful parade. We love shouting, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We love that Palm Sunday means Easter is just around the corner. We love good news. However, if we slow down and pay attention, we know that Palm Sunday was not a simple parade. There was risk, there was fear, there was the threat of violence. You were leading a peaceful protest against an unjust empire and the whole world knew it. Forgive us for glossing over the courage this day took. Remind us that the story of faith is a story of courage, and even we can do hard things. With hope we pray. Amen. Hear these words of assurance. Family of faith, even when we gloss over the truth, even when our courage fails us, even when we doubt that we can do hard things, God believes in us, God loves us, God forgives us. Hear and believe this truth. We are known. We are loved. We are forgiven again and again and again. Amen.
morning, young Christians. Today is Palm Sunday. I hope you were able to come to the church to get your palms and your Holy Week in a bag. But even if you didn't, it's okay. You can come and pick up your Holy Week in a bag from the church office this week, but be sure to coordinate with Aisha first. Holy Week is a very special time for the church, and it begins today with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a lot of fun because we get to wave palms and shout Hosanna. But do you know what Hosanna means? Hosanna means save us. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the people waved branches. If you have a palm branch, go ahead and wave it now. Wave your palms. Or you can wave these palms, the palms of your hand, and pretend you have palm branches. The people waved their branches, and some of them took off their coats and put them on the ground, and they shouted, Hosanna, save us, because they were hoping that God would save them through Jesus, that Jesus would help them. You see, things weren't going so well for the people who were shouting Hosanna. They needed help. The government was using their power to hurt people and oppress them. And the religious leaders who were supposed to be helping the people weren't really helping them either. They were using their power to make themselves feel good. And so many people were being left out. The people were hoping that someone would come and help them, save them from this terrible situation they were in. Too many people were sick and poor and didn't have what they needed. And so they were hoping for someone like Jesus to come. So this parade for Jesus was more than just a parade. It was almost like a protest. Have you seen a protest when people hold up signs saying what they want to change? This was kind of like that. Jesus knew that if he came into the city riding on a donkey, the people would notice. It was like he was saying yes to being their Messiah, their person who was coming to save them, to help them, but not quite in the way that the people may have expected. Because instead of riding on a big, strong horse, he was riding on a little donkey or colt. Something small and weak, not big and powerful. Jesus had lots of power, but his power didn't come from the same place as the government or even the religious leaders. Jesus' power came from love. Jesus wanted to help the people who were being hurt, to include the people who were being left out. And Jesus was even willing to forgive the people who were doing wrong. He wanted them to see there was a different way. And that's what Holy Week is all about. So let's wave our palms and shout Hosanna because we need God to save us too. We need Jesus to help us see that there's another way. Can you think of anyone who's hurting right now? 
anyone who's not being treated right or who's being left out. It's been kind of a hard couple of weeks. There's been a lot of stories in the news of people being hurt. Our Asian American friends haven't been treated very well recently. People have been mean to them and that's not okay. And so we wanna wave our palms and shout, Hosanna, God save us. We want Jesus to help us see another way. I hope you'll join us for all the events of Holy Week this week. In your Holy Week in a bag, there is a packet that says, My Holy Week Activity Packet. And there are special things for you to do each day, including today. And there are special things in the bag for each day. So be sure you get one if you haven't already. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this Holy Week. We shout Hosanna today because we need you to save us too. Be with us as we follow Jesus. From Palm Sunday to Good Friday and all the way to Easter Sunday. Amen. The scripture lesson this morning comes from John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 1 to 19. The reading of the lesson will be interspersed with Pastor Sandy's meditation. Listen then to verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There he gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made from pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Zechariah, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and, a, and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Again and again, that phrase has resonated through worship these last six weeks as we have contemplated the nature of God who claimed, named, and sent Jesus. The nature of God that Jesus wanted those that would follow him to know, claimed, named, and sent them, us, as well. You know, what I've tried to underscore through this season of Lent is that God is at the core of God's being, love. Now this is the capital letter, love. Not the, I love the color purple and peanut M&Ms kind of love. Not the, I love the Dodgers and the Rose Parade kind of love. No, this love is more, much more substantive than those loves. This love is the connective tissue in the, in the world, drawing all things towards God and towards community with each other. You know, we touch it when awe stops us in our tracks at the sight of a sunrise or the sheer beauty of music or art moves us to tears. As we hold the hand of one we love more than all others or 
as we sit at the bedside of one who is at the end of their life, having seen us through ours, we touch it again. We touch it when we share deep laughter and abundant joy with friends and when we stand together with others against hate or injustice. We touch it in times of prayer and worship when it flows over us and we become aware that somehow this love has claimed us as we are fully without exception. Yes, as we have found in these last few weeks, love invites us in and meets us where we are. Love speaks to us and shows us the way. Love is the first thing God offers and love is reforming us, making us new every day. Now here at the beginning of what is the most solemn and sacred week of our story, we come to learn that this love is courageous and calls us to draw on courage too. You know, we often think of courage as something displayed in mighty deeds. I mean, how do we not think of the firefighters that rushed into the Twin Towers on 9-11? Or recently, Officer Eric Talley, a father of seven, who ran into a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado this last week in response to an active shooter call where he and nine others would lose their lives in another mass shooting in our nation. Certainly, these are courageous people. But when we understand courage as these from monumental deeds, most of us don't see ourselves as accessing courage very often. We create a different type of distance between us and others than Father Boyle spoke of last week. Not the high moral distance through which we can judge others, but a distance that tells us all oh, that we could just never do such things. Limiting ourselves in our ability to access that grace that comes from God. But as I have shared with you over a number of times over the years, the root of the word courage is core, which means heart. So if courage is related to the heart, and we all have a heart, then somehow courage must also be something that is possible for all of us. And in fact, one of the earliest understandings of courage was to speak one's mind by telling all of one's heart. Brene Brown in her research called it wholeheartedness, living with our whole hearts, speaking from our hearts, witnessing to what is in our hearts. This is courage. It is wearing our hearts on our sleeves as we go through life for the whole world to see, being vulnerable to that world around us as we seek to embody the love that has claimed us, named us, and sends us. On this Palm Sunday, I want to suggest that it is a day that we are called to claim our wholeheartedness, to draw on courage, and to risk being vulnerable for love's sake. Now Mary, in the first portion of our gospel lesson for today, embodied that courage. Washing feet was a typical act of hospitality done for guests as they entered homes in first century Palestine, carried out by servants or slaves or the lowest ranking member of the household. Jesus himself, in just a few days from this, this event, will confound the disciples as he washes their feet, displaying again how God loves first as servant to us, modeling what it means that we are to serve one another as God serves us. 
Here, Mary, who is beloved friend of Jesus, an important member in her household, breaks custom and social order to wear her heart on her sleeve by washing Jesus' feet. And not just washing them, she anoints them with perfumed oil, an act of love done when preparing a body for burial. And using her hair, she makes this a very public, intimate moment of devotion. Sensing deeply that her time was coming to an end with this one whose feet she had sat at to learn, whose feet she had knelt at, shedding tears on them as she confessed that in Jesus, Lazarus would not have known death. She did not care about the criticism that might come, who saw her love for this one who had invited her into a new life. Wholeheartedly, she entered into this moment, drawing on courage to serve the one that she loved, to risk being vulnerable for love's sake. Wearing one's heart on your sleeve is an act of courage. This last week, a dear friend embodied that courage, sharing her disappointment and hurt she felt in me from last week's sermon when I failed to address squarely and forcefully the murders in Atlanta and the anti-Asian hate behind them speaking to the horrifying increase in acts of discrimination, abuse, and deadly violence that has been particularly on the rise in this last year during the pandemic. Knowing I had spoken clearly about Black Lives Matter, she looked for a word of comfort and a call to action to help steady the deep pain of racism she herself experiences and the broader Asian community lives with all the time. She anticipated solidarity and found silence. But because she is someone who finds in love her center, she did not remain silent herself. She dared to share with me out of that love, trusting it would bear her through calling out her friend and pastor. Now I could share with her some of what led to my not mentioning it last week, but in the end, none of that mattered. For what mattered most was that in my silence on that day, I made worship a painful moment, not a healing one. And her willingness to call me out, to call me to do better, to be better, to, to wear her heart on her sleeve, to risk being vulnerable for love's sake, was an act of courage. It was an act of devotion to the God who calls her to be love in the world. And then she offered me that gift too, by speaking truth to me in love. Where does your devotion to Jesus call you to draw on courage, to speak, to act, in love, for love's sake. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. Again and again, we draw on courage. Palm Sunday reminds us that witnessing to the change that Jesus makes in our lives means being vulnerable to the powers and principalities of this world. And if we are living wholeheartedly, we will find our path obstructed or even threatened. You know, Lazarus' new life was cause for a lot of interest, curiosity, and even belief. People were being drawn to Jesus because what had happened in the life of their neighbor, Lazarus. 
his witness was more confounding almost to the religious authority than Jesus himself. For in Lazarus's return from death, what Jesus said wasn't just a theory about how one might live. No, Jesus brought people to life, to new life, and people could see it tangibly in Lazarus. Now the status quo isn't a fan of new life, for new life often threatens the way things are, especially when it threatens power and privilege. Yet if we live wholeheartedly in sync with love set loose in the world, witnessing to its possibility in our very lives, we will find ourselves a threat to the status quo. In these last months, civil rights groups across the country have noticed this pattern of targeted hate against Asian Americans since the beginning, particularly of the coronavirus last year, with the number of racist and xenophobic incidents skyrocketing, and many of those events carried out against the elderly of that community. An 84-year-old man from Thailand died in late January after being attacked on his morning walk in San Francisco. Days later, a 91-year-old Asian man was violently shoved to the ground in Oakland's Chinatown. In early February, a 64-year-old Asian woman was robbed and attacked outside a Vietnamese market in San Jose. A 61-year-old Filipino man was slashed in the face on the New York City subway. The co-founders of Stop AAPI Hate, which stands for Stop Asian American Pacific Islander Hate, stated recently, it's up to all of us, businesses, the government, and community partners to come together and immediately support victims and families affected by these incidents and work together to create long-lasting solutions that empower our communities with resources, support, and education. Well, one person heard that call. Oakland, California local Jacob Azevedo. He was upset by those recent attacks he had seen on Asian elders in his community. Moved to action, Azevedo put out an offer on social media to walk with anyone in Oakland's Chinatown neighborhood if it might help them feel safer. Azevedo said simply, I just wanted to offer people some kind of comfort. And his call caught the attention of others though. And before long, he had a list of nearly 300 volunteers who had reached out wanting to help as well. The overwhelming response led him to establish a, a new uh, organization called Compassion in Oakland. The mission statement of the group is this. We strive to provide the Oakland Chinatown community with a resource for promoting safety and community. We aim to embrace the often forgotten, underserved and vulnerable. We promote compassion, not indifference, unity as opposed to divisiveness, fostering a more caring and safer Oakland for all. Living wholeheartedly, living with your heart on your sleeve is embracing the forgotten, the underserved and the vulnerable. Unsettling the status quo is to promote compassion rather than indifference. Such commitments make Oakland Pasadena, California, the U.S., the world safer and more caring for all. But setting out with such things as your mission statement, as your goal in life, is a threat to those whose interests desire to keep us apart from one another, to create fear among us, to devise competition around us. But again and again, we must draw on courage if we are to create such communities of alternative reality that says, no, together we are better, 
Together we know dignity. Together we are love. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Jesus rides into Jerusalem, not in a grand stallion surrounded by armor and flags and trumpets like Pilate and the Roman legion, but on a simple donkey, greeted by palm fronds and people shouting, Hosanna, save us. It was an act of courage on his part, an act of Jesus' living wholeheartedly for the God who is creator of all. He knew that the world was what it was and that the powers that were would not tolerate such disruption, would not accept that the whole world would go after him. Too much was at stake to let Jesus be. And in John's gospel, Jesus rides into the city with head high, shoulders back, confident in God's call and work, even as he knows that the ones who are celebrating with him will soon fall away. Because the call of what is, is strong in our lives, often stronger than our desire for new life. But Jesus shows up again and again for God, for the kingdom. He models for us what faith can do in our lives as we seek to, to live in the world unafraid, unintimidated by the forces that want the world to stay the same. I want to share a brief video with you from Brene Brown in which she shares a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that shaped her understanding of living courageously. The, the, uh, the quote that was really the, the spine or the arc of Daring Greatly was a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that I read during a really hard time in my life. Um, the TED Talk had gone viral. There were a lot of haters. There were a lot of just, it was just, I wasn't ready and I'm super introverted. You know that about me. A couple, you know, my family, my friends know that about me. People assume I'm not because I'm really comfortable speaking in public, um, but I'm really introverted. And so I, and I'm tender-hearted, um, newly tender-hearted. So I was tough-hearted for a long time and I worked to become tender-hearted. And then when you're, t you know, and so I was hurt, it really hurt my feelings because um, some of the attacks were really personal. And so I read this quote by Theodore Roosevelt that um, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done it different. The credit belongs to the man who's in the arena, whose face is marred with blood and sweat and tears who strives valiant, no, blood, sweat, and dust, who strives valiantly, who comes up again, who comes up short again and again and again, and who in the end knows the triumph of, may know the triumph of high achievement, but who in the end, if he fails, does so daring greatly. And I thought, that's who I want to be. I want to be in the arena. I want to show up and be seen in my life, 
even when there's no guarantee of outcome. And so the arena has become a huge metaphor for me, for our tribe, for our community. Um, we just use it because it's, it's a great sticky thing where we can say, I'm in the arena, I'm daring greatly. Faith. Yeah, faith. Faith is a huge arena in my life. Yeah. You take, I mean, that's like a, that's faith is like yeah. showing up. Yeah, showing up. Versus certitude. Right. Which sounds better or not. Certitude? I'm kidding. Certitude. That's what I'm saying. Like, we said like certitude sells, right? No, certitude's the hottest commodity in our culture right now. At the same time, like it doesn't transform. It doesn't transform. But man, you can hawk anything with certainty. You give people answers. The problem with that in the faith world, for me, and we've talked about this before, is faith minus vulnerability and mystery is not faith. You can call it anything, you can call it, you know, whatever you want to call it, but don't call it faith. Because if there's no vulnerability and there's no mystery, there's no faith. You know, and so if what you're selling is certainty, rules, yes, no, this is okay, this, you know, then make up a great name for it. Just don't call it faith. My friends, Palm Sunday is an invitation to get in the arena, to take up the work of love in the name of Christ for the transformation of the world. Palm Sunday is the day we are reminded that we can draw on courage, draw on our hearts, to bear our hearts for God's sake, so that the world might still come after the one sent and that we might find our way to the kingdom. Where is God calling you, me, us, to be courageous today? Where does love need to be shared? Where is love needed to transform? Where is love waiting for you and me to show up? This Palm Sunday, may God save us with love so that we might be love, drawing on our courage and be able to shout Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Amen.
Let us pray. As we come to you this morning in prayer, God of love, we are mindful of all the ways that we follow the shouts of the world, but forget the costly choices that you would have us make. As we begin this holy week, remind each of us that the way of the cross is not the popular way. It's often not the easy way, but we believe that it is the way to life eternal. Help us to follow you despite daily temptations to follow the crowd, temptations to give up doing the right thing when it becomes difficult or inconvenient or socially awkward. Oh God, help us keep our eyes fixed on the cross and all that the way of Jesus means for us this week and every week that we live. We pray for your holy church in every place. Sustain all of its leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim, and inspire all of your ministers as they seek this week to bring your word to a weary and distracted world. Bless all of your people, O God, and especially hear the prayers raised across the district today for our friends at Camarillo United Methodist Church and those who serve each week in the California Pacific Annual Conference office. We lift to your arms of mercy all the persons and situations that are found in today's prayer list, as well as those that are known only to you. We long for the end to this coronavirus, its economic devastation, its huge cost in human suffering and death, and the deep divisions it has revealed in our land and across the globe. Heal us, O God, not only in body but in mind and spirit as well. Comfort those who mourn the dead and always continue to strengthen the frontline workers and medical personnel. We shout our hosannas, and at the same time we confess that we do not always follow the Jesus way. Open our eyes to see that path more clearly this holy week, O God, as we again remember our Lord's passion and resurrection. Confident that you hear all that we ask, we recall now the words of our Savior Christ, who taught these words to his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. Remember that you can always watch this service again or share it with others at our YouTube channel. Subscribe and receive free notifications of all of our events coming up this Holy Week and in the future. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to download this week's bulletin. It contains full details about the various Holy Week activities available to you this week. Even though we are separated, worship and prayer during this week is central to who we are as Christian people. And so I hope you'll make the various activities a priority in this week's schedule. Remember that if you wish to reach the clergy staff directly, you can use the special email connect at fumcpasadena.org. Thank you for continuing to use the church's online giving website You'll find a link in the video description or in yesterday's worship email. You can also access it anytime at the church's website. Take care of yourself this week 
And if you can, take care of somebody else as well. Do get vaccinated when it's your turn, and remember to wear a mask. Hey guys, long time no see. It's been quite a year, and we could all use some laughter and joy. Please plan to join us for Holy Humor, a virtual cabaret following worship on Sunday, April 11th. The show is free, but you can support the youth and some local businesses by purchasing a Taste of Pasadena meal to go. All meals must be pre-purchased, and the deadline to order is Monday, April 5th. Check out the church e-news for more information in the link to order. We'll also have a live auction, Benefiting Rise Against Hunger. You can preview the auction items and pick up your meals to go from the church parking lot on Saturday, April 10th from 3 to 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Friends, we live in frightful times. We live in disturbing times. But we also live in hopeful times, of transformational times. So take heart, take courage, as you seek to be God's amazing people this week. God saves us that we might be brave and caring and prophetic and merciful. Thanks be to God.